Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, where we will bring you some of the most interesting interviews and features from the world of tech. Visit irishtechnews.ie and check out our podcast section to explore all of our previous episodes. You can subscribe to our podcast using whatever your favourite app or service is by visiting anchor.fm forward slash irish-tech-news. And each week I get to talk to different people who are doing interesting things. And it could be on a large scale. It could be a very hyper-local scale. And today I'm going to be talking to a very interesting man. And you're going to have to listen very hard because some of these concepts are going to be a little bit new, not necessarily complex, but new. So I'm very pleased to welcome Jordan Gray from the Near Foundation to the show. Jordan, welcome indeed. Thank you so much for having me. Brilliant. So Jordan, you are a technologist and an artist. So Tell me a little bit about your background, first of all, before we try, we're going to talk about DAOs today, which is DAO, which is Distributed Autonomous uh, Organizations, which sounds like a mouthful. It is a mouthful. But to understand why we're here, can we tell me talk a bit about your career, please? So you're American. Whereabouts are you living? Um, San Francisco. Uh, yeah, so in San Francisco. And um, I, I moved out there after... Um, going to college in the University of Minnesota where I was born and raised. So I was born and raised in the Midwest, moved out West and yeah, really love it there. It's a technology epicenter and I feel really at home. And have you always been interested in technology? Were you one of these kids that got your first computer at 11 or something? Yeah. So I'm, I'm super fortunate in that like my, my dad was an electrical is an electrical engineer and um, my my mom was a stay-at-home mom, but they are both very into art as well. Like they met because my dad had a dark room. So growing up, I was exposed to the technology. I was exposed to the art side um, and I was encouraged to be expressive and to play around. So I was I'm very fortunate to have that environment. And then as I was going through school, it was something where I basically wrote my thesis ahead of time. Um, to be able to take classes from uh, the journalism school, the studio arts and computer science schools, because I was really interested in online storytelling. So that this was before blogging was a thing. So it was like um, something that I had to kind of like pave my own way for. And that's how my career has gone as well as just um, finding spaces where I can do what I see as important and convincing people it's also important. Storytelling, that's and I, I love too as well that sometimes people put people who, who are very strong in technology into a box. Mm-hmm. You can't be artistic and a, a techie, you know, that there seems like you're either nerdy or you're artistic, but you actually cross, you blur, and you, you, you move quite freely across those two forms. Yeah, I think there's a lot of value in, in moving between disciplines and um, taking space in between disciplines because they inform each other. Like, um, with without arts and the humanities, technology is really nothing. It doesn't mean anything. It's just a tool. Um, and I do think that the, the subject we're talking about with the DAOs, the decentralized autonomous organizations, it's just another tool for people. It's, it's more software. Um, what's really interesting is the missions that people have and what they're able to like achieve with it. So the area where you're a technologist and an artist, um, mm-hmm. And this, the DAOs are going to be talking about the decentralized autonomous organizations, DAO, DAO. Um, they have sprung up from the world of blockchain and cryptocurrency. So for people listening who might hear cryptocurrencies go, oh, Ponzi money or scary money. Can we talk a little bit about the background of blockchain and cryptocurrencies and um, before we move on to the DAOs? So how, how would you, if you're going to talk to someone who maybe hasn't heard about Bitcoin 
or has heard about it and has heard funny stuff. How do you how do you tell your granny about this space, for example? Yeah, yeah. Um, to me, like the the basic idea of blockchain is a distributed ledger. So it's just um, it's a way of keeping track of things that's owned by the people and that's interesting because right now all of the data in the web two world, like the current internet is owned by large companies. And with the control of that data, they can have insights about people. It's kind of like, um, it's, it's not a fair balance of power basically. Um, and when people contribute to the network and own the data themselves, it sets up a different dynamic and the tools and the systems being built when they're, by the people, for the people, um, they serve individual people more so than um, like the powers that be. So to me, that's like the distributed ledger is a way of putting power back in people's hands. If you're interested in data privacy, it's good for that. <clears throat> and then like with the interesting thing about like current blockchain technologies that it's, it's not limited to only being that ledger, that record of transactions, but it can also run software in a distributed way. So it's it's like a virtual computer that's owned by everybody. And that's kind of like a, a heady concept, but it's, yeah, that's, that's mm -hmm. the exciting thing about it is that it's owned by the people and you oh, can use it for. That's cool. Owned by the people. That's a very good way of explaining it because, and I want to take a step backwards for people listening going, what, what, what are they talking about? So web two is basically when you have interaction on the web, you've got Facebooks and the Instagrams mm -hmm. and all the different mm -hmm. things. But as we are pretty aware now that that data is harvested by the main main tech companies and mm -hmm. they make fortunes out of it. And we're, yes. we're giving up, giving away everything. And we get nothing back except for what we thought was a free service. And like the old thing, if you're not, if you're not buying the product, you are the product type stuff. Yes, so, exactly. And then also, because also Web2 did a lot of bad things. I mean, and big tech com companies got a bad name, but obviously in the elections in the US, um, all the and, and in in the UK too as well, but all the the use of of uh, big tech companies to influence outcomes, seemingly like um, you know sort of organically, but they're not. They're bots that are posting all this stuff. And you're going, oh, everybody believes in me, but they must, so we must be right. And I think the point you made too as well by if people own the data and own the systems, they're going to do different things. So a a, a big Uber giant company may take money to, to uh, you know, uh, influence an election, because they don't care, it's money, they're doing it, it's, you know, it'll, it'll be intellectually interesting for them and financially lucrative, but ordinary folk aren't gonna like that. If we all have a vote, we're not gonna say, don't show me all these things so I think the world is looking like this, when actually it's not, this is a false representation of how people are feeling and thinking. So it's all about own people owning the data, which is a really interesting idea, because I think people have become scared of, of technology, haven't they, I mean, the big tech, is that kind of scary feeling that we're being watched all the time? And you mentioned privacy, another really interesting concept for uh, democracy, the erosion of our privacy. And it's not just that whole thing they say, oh, if you're not, you know, if you're not, if you have anything to hide, then, you know, want to show everybody. Well, I'm not really, I don't tell my postman the same things I tell my doctor. <laughs> you know, there's, there's some, and also we know, obviously, privacy is, is uh, voting. You know, if people know which way you vote, that can make a very, very uncomfortable country and no longer a democracy. So lots of things buzzing around there. So I'm going back to you again, sorry, Jordan, I'm getting quite excited because I love the idea you say it's by the, by the people, for the people. 
this is really strong. So Web3 is what we're looking at now. It's, and Web3, is Web3 basically, is it like blockchain technology and AI and machine learning, all this type of stuff bundled in together or just blockchain? It's mostly used to refer to the blockchain space and, and the things that are happening there. Um, I, th I think that all those other technologies that you're mentioning are, are also exciting and, and part of like, um, like as, as an artist, what I'm interested in as well. But I think that when I, when I hear Web3, I do think blockchain and um, yeah, virtual computing owned by the people. Okay. So a big thing in uh, blockchain technologies, oh, can we just, a little bit of a, of a detour, cryptocurrencies, cryptocurrencies, mm -hmm. a lot of people still, I have a very good friend and um, her husband always says, is that, how's that funny money going? <laughs> now, <laughs> yeah, I understand my, my mom, too. who's 91, might ask me that question. And I understand it's a bit different, you know, 91. But, so if someone says to you, cryptocurrencies, what are they? Jordan, would you have a nice, and your other example was great. Would you have a nice way of explaining what they are and why they're important? Yeah, I think um, it, it does go again into like power dynamics when you have um, <clears throat> like a country doing issuance of currencies, then then again, it's they're in control and they can print money or not print money and, and they do so to address inflation and other things. So um, it's it's all, all in the hands of, of those folks. And cryptocurrency doesn't necessarily fix that because big money can also come into cryptocurrency and, and make plays and influence it. But the, the basic idea is again, that because the currency is on a network that's operated by the people, the people are in charge of their own currency. And um, because it's all on this immutable ledger where every transaction is recorded and can be traced, um, then it's like a public, a pub, public ledger. And there's also interesting work being done on the privacy front in blockchain because like with blockchain, by default, there's this idea of like radical transparency and you get your anonymity by having pseudonyms and multiple wallets and all of these kinds of things. Um, but there's also interesting work being done on, um, they're called ZKs, zero knowledge uh, proofs for cryptocurrency. And it allows you to do um, blockchain transactions uh, without necessarily giving away your identity. And it also allows for interesting things like if you have your digital identity, and a website wants to know, like maybe a website wants to know just where you are in the world. You don't have to also tell it how old you are or what your sex is or other things about you, even though those are part of your digital identity. You can do kind of like incremental release of the data as needed in different ways. So mm -hmm. that's, I think, a, a really interesting thing. Because as someone else described it as if you went into the off license and you had to prove you were over 18, typically, uh, you know, person of around that age would either have a, a you know, a driver's license or a passport or some sort of form of identity, which gives name and address and, you know, date of birth and, and age and all the rest of it. Whereas the shop only needs to know that you are over 18, you know, so that's kind of like selective disclosure. And those zero knowledge proofs, they're really complex, but they're kind of fun. It was best described to me once that somebody said, if you have somebody in a room and there's no door and there's no entrance, and there's no window, um, and you know they're in the room and then they're outside the room but there's no way that you could know how they got out. That's how zero knowledge proofs work. So <laughs> I don't know if I'm doing zero knowledge proofs a, a disservice by saying that, but the idea is that you can actually prove it without having to prove it in some ways. It's like zero knowledge. So it's very maths, very maths. Very so anyway, DAOs, DAOs. Now this is something that's come out of the um, 
the blockchain and cryptocurrencies, this whole space, community is huge in this space. All of a sudden people are coming together on a project that they love or they have an interest in. And it could be the project itself is the interesting thing or could be, could even be, I love the example of the Dogecoin. People, that's quite a prominent Elon Musk every every so often talks about it. Go, oh, what's this funny? And of course, that I thought, correct me if I'm wrong, Jordan, wasn't that uh, invented? It's, it's an endless supply of these these coins, whatever. But that was invented as a tipping mechanism, I think, on Reddit. So people just use it to say, "Oh, I give you a Dogecoin." But they also didn't they send that Jamaican uh, um, team to the to the to the uh, Winter Olympics, the, the sleigh bob team? Yeah, they they took that cause up. Yeah. Yeah. So it's 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 in the one hand, it's kind of ridiculous. But I kind of like it. That to me says that's nice things. That's kind of going. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, but community, community, I'm getting mm-hmm. hitting things. Community is very important. What do you think about community? And you run quite a few community-driven initiatives. Maybe you want to talk about your art, Codame. Codame? Yeah, right? yeah. Talk about yeah. that to explain why community is important. Yeah, so that's actually how I even got into the blockchain space was through my art and tech nonprofit that I've been running for the last 11 years. And yeah, you can say it however you want. It's intentionally ambiguous and playful. So you did great there. Um, so the organization is all about art and technology. We do like nightlife events where there's a bunch of interactive installations and cool art to see and buy. Um, and then we also do like workshops where we teach artists that technology is just another brush. It's another means of expression. And we teach technologists that art and creativity are inherent to life. Life is here because of creation, that creative urge. Um, and everybody's got it in them. So. Uh, we do a lot of that kind of programming. And then um, when when COVID hit uh, and we all went into lockdown, we obviously could not do in real life events anymore and had to look at a new way of supporting our artists. And through that, got into NFTs. And I'm going to stop you there. Yep. Again, NFTs. We're going to just explain that for people who maybe, <laughs> there, there could be some people in this world who haven't heard of NFTs. They're mm-hmm. non-fungible tokens, which is a bit, another mouthful. But NFTs, do you want to explain what they are and perhaps talk about the, some high profile NFTs. Yeah, yeah. So uh, an NFT is a non-fungible token. And what it what the non-fungible part means is that it's there's only one of it. It's one of a kind. So it actually is an analogy to real world objects. Like most real world objects are non-fungible. So like your phone is non-fungible in that it's yours. It has all your stuff on it. If you swap it with another phone, it's not the same. So that's what non-fungible means. Like even if two two NFTs are of the same picture and it's like editions of two different, uh, same picture, but two editions, if you swap the two of them, it's not the same. They have different transaction histories. They're, they're totally unique. So it's a way of um, keeping track of assets. Um, when we talk about cryptocurrencies, it's usually a fungible token. Any $1 is the same as another dollar pound is a pound, et cetera. Um, and with non-fungibles, they're unique. So those are the two basic like um, primitives of like blockchain assets is non-fungible tokens and fungible tokens. And you mentioned that I, I interrupted, you were talking about your uh, not-profit, not-profit mm-hmm. organization and you, and you mentioned NFTs. I just jumped in there in case someone yeah. listening, what's an NFT? So, um, so tell me how you use NFTs with your, with your project. Yeah, so um, we we have our yearly festival that we do, and um, like two years ago, Lisa Kolb um, was the curator for that show. Um, she was our, our curator for that year, and 
she was like, you guys, we got to do NFTs this year. And uh, my co-founder Bruno and I were like, okay, sounds good. Like we love experimenting with new technologies. Um, Kodame is never about any one technology. It's always about a theme and then asking people to explore it with different art and technologies. So it's always open like that. But the NFTs that year were a big hit and we had more sales for our artists in a couple months than we had the previous 11 years combined. And we were like, okay, wow. I think we need to lean into this a little more and check it out. Um, and at that time, it wasn't such a huge space. So I was able to like try out every NFT minting platform where artists can make their work into NFTs. Um, I tried out all the different blockchains where these platforms exist. And I really liked what I found at Near Protocol as far as like, um, our artists were concerned about the environmental impact and protocol is climate neutral and it's a proof of stake chain. Um, I know I'm throwing the terminology in here. So basically um, actually what I need to underline is that there's a lot of talk about uh, cryptocurrencies and NFTs being energy intensive, but yeah. with the more, the more, the proof of stake, which is the next uh, layer two, is it a layer two? Near is a layer two? Um, one, layer it's one. actually layer one. Layer one, yeah. layer one, but it's, sorry, it's, it's proof of stake layer one technology, which means that it's carbon neutral. So I just want yeah. to underline that piece, carbon neutral, carbon neutral yeah. NFTs. You're not burning the planet by, by minting them on the near protocol. Exactly. Yeah. And the foundation behind um, the protocol is also makes like uh, carbon credit donations too. So even like the everyday business operations are climate neutral, carbon neutral. Um, so I really liked what I found there as far as the, the carbon neutral climate, climate, uh, causes and then one of the logistic headaches of running an art and tech organization is after every festival paying artists out and this can wind up taking months as we get international wires taken care of and things like that when we do it on the blockchain we can actually have like splits so on, on near the splits are implemented at the protocol level so it doesn't matter which shop somebody uses to mint their artwork um, the splits just work. So when it sells, we can automatically send the payment like part to the art and tech organization, part to the artist, or if we're selling a ticket to the festival, we can send some portion of that to the artists, the people working on the festival and to the organization. So the splits are amazing um, for just being able to do that all automatically instead of by hand, the paperwork after a festival. So we love the splits. And then the community, um, it was it was really welcoming. Uh, there was a lot of interesting uh, conversations happening, and it was through CreateBase and the MintBase um, community that we really got sucked in. And as I got more and more involved in this space, I was like, okay, there's actually a lot of work to do here. Um, and I was at Google at the time, working on material design, a design system for their marketing pages, and um, made the leap and yeah, it's, it's been a wild ride. Wow. Um, so, so yeah. Community. So we're talking about the near, near, uh, blockchain, the near protocol. We're talking mm -hmm. about near foundation. We've also mm -hmm. mentioned mint basing and create base, which are mm -hmm. uh, projects working on the, on this, this platform. Um, mm -hmm. and now we've got, so community is huge in this space because the whole idea it's owned for the people by the people instead of the very start of this interview, which is something to hang on to. And for people listening to think why they might, look more or find out more about uh, blockchains because it is transformational. So a DAO, back to the DAO. Can you try to explain what a DAO is? Yeah, so I like to break it down into 
the, the three words, decentralized autonomous organization. The decentralized can mean geographically people are decentralized. They don't all have to be in the same place. Um, it can also mean that the work is decentralized. So um, it's, it's not just one person at the top necessarily telling everybody else what to do. It's more of a collaborative effort, um, typically a co-op model. And then when we talk about autonomous, like we were talking about the splits earlier, um, it's stuff like that where a lot of the work and even decision-making work as we do get into AI and things like that, there's gonna be a lot of decision-making jobs that go away. And I think that as that happens, um, the work that's valuable is going to be more creative work and more work connecting people. So I think that the autonomous bit is getting us actually towards like a work revolution, which is a whole nother tangent to go on. And then um, another interesting part of the autonomous thing is when you're thinking about like the gig economy and things like Uber and Lyft, where there's a company that's organizing all these people and they're taking a large cut of the what's happening uh, as people pay for that service. If it's self-organized by the people, autonomously, all the value that the workers are putting into the system comes back to them more directly. Like they get paid more for what they've done. So that's, that also plays into the autonomous bit for me is cutting out middle management, cutting out the need for like in, a, a CEO or something like that. Um, and then the organization, it could, organizations can be anything. And that's one of the really interesting things about, especially DAOs on near, um, one of the things that, again, got me into Nier was how easy it is to onboard people. It's like a, a, it works well on your phone, on a tablet, on the computer, and you get an actual name instead of like a huge long list of numbers and letters that nobody could ever remember or tell anybody else. Um, so you get like a human readable address and um, that allows for like more everyday people to get on the chain and then to create DAOs. So we have like, DAOs of just like a couple people. It doesn't have to be a huge thing for people to want to um, pool their money together towards some cause or something like that. Um, and people use it for like, the organizations can be big or small, basically. There's not one right way to DAO. There was one very high profile DAO, the Constitution yes, DAO. Yes. And that was put together by, um, they, they raised, how much did they raise? Is it a hundred, no, 40, 46 million or something? 40, they raised a huge amount of money. I can't actually see my notes here now, but they raised yeah, like, yeah. Um, I can't, can you, oh, 47 million. I finally found out my notes. 47 <laughs> million in an attempt to buy, I think it was in Sotheby's, they wanted to buy the uh, original copy of the constitution, the US constitution. Mm -hmm. And they were pipped to the post by a billionaire hedge fund yes. owner. So they were, but that was yes. amazing. That And so that was a group of people who wanted to by the original constitution, for the people, by the people. Uh, we don't know, do, do we know what plans they had to do with it? Were they gonna do something with it? Do, do they make clear what their vision was for the, do you, you, do you know of hand? Um, I'm not sure on exactly what it, on what the ambition was. Um, I mean, it's it's obviously a novel and fun concept. Mm. The, the real trouble that they ran into was after that didn't work out um, because it was on a network where the fees were like very high. Uh, and and the transactions are slower like um a lot of people wound up losing money in that situation because the refunds cost so much to actually make um that's so I, didn't, it, like, I didn't hear that that's, some, that's another thing to explain that on some blockchains there are fees for transactions 
And yeah. was was this on, on the Ethereum blockchain? It was on Ethereum, yeah. Which is the second blockchain of Note, basically. And mm -hmm. um, currently it's slow and its fees are very high. Yeah. Which is other yeah. like near has no fees. So or next to no fees. So it, it's um oh that's unfortunate because yeah. I thought they all got their money back, but less transaction fees. That wouldn't be so nice. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that mm -hmm. is honestly what happened. Um and it's not that the near protocol has no fees for a blockchain to operate there does need to be some fees because mm -hmm. the people running the network need to be rewarded for it they need to be incentivized to actually make the thing run but the fees are so much lower because the the technology is designed to be proof of stake which besides being like computationally a lot less expensive and better for the environment um, it's just more efficient to run overall. What what are the benefit of DAOs? So people, it's it's a community that comes together. They want to do something. Like we gave the mm -hmm. high profile mm -hmm. example of buying the constitution, but it might be a DAO to run a, a garden. I don't know, or to do a, an art festival, or it could be you know to whatever. So what are the benefits of putting your project in into a DAO formation? Yeah. So for me, like just the the power of DAOs is um, the the organization can be anything like you're mentioning and it's really just it's software that helps you do like three things that we we break it down to and it's like you can meet people that share your values and you can vote on things to like govern them together make decisions collectively and then ultimately you can fund things you can have a treasury that's shared so those are kind of like the three things that DAOs are good for is like aligning with people who share your values um, having that identity, that shared identity with other people, um, the voting and it all being um, on chain. So it's like the record is there. And then like having a treasury. So it's like, it's a shared wallet. So you can have anything in that. You can have like your Doge, your NFTs, your art, like your, um, your fungible tokens. Like you can keep anything in the treasury and use that to do payouts to to art and tech like collective workers things like that. Um, it can really be anything. And if people are listening, if they have, we haven't lost them by now, right? I'm hoping that they're <laughs> coming with us because it is a very yeah. exciting area. Albeit, it's a lot of new terms that are here, and it, you know, after a while, you're used to them. It's like anything that's new. So, if people want to find out more, what is there places you would say? Where can you go to look and and learn? What's the best thing to do? Would you say? Yeah, I think that. Well, I would definitely say like astrodow.com is a great starting point. It, it outlines some use cases. And if you just browse around on AstroDAO, there's over 270 like monthly active DAOs that are all doing different projects, everything from like providing skilled work to each other to humanitarian causes, raising money to, to um, do things like um, last year there was over half a million raised for flooding relief in Henan, China and COVID relief in Vietnam and India. Um, so definitely check out AstroDAO just to see like the things that are happening. Um, and if any of those things were something that you'd like to be involved in. And then off of AstroDAO, there's also a program called DAOcubator where we work with people who have um, in real life, like collectives, um, cooperatives, unions, um, causes, Maybe it's somebody who runs their own nightlife event or something like that. It can be a big or small thing. And we help them figure out how blockchain and DAOs are a tool that can help them operate more smoothly and that um, they can get more value out of. 
and it's it's really fascinating work. Um, it's a lot of like workshopping and talking to people about their goals and values. Um, so besides AstroDAO, uh, the DAOcubator.org. Brilliant. Jordan, thank you so much for your time today. I hope people listening have had their interest peaked and AstroDAO and uh, DAO Incubator are the two places to go. You're suggesting to go and have a look. Yeah. I, it's been a fascinating conversation today. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for your time, Jordan. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. Check back every day for the latest episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Irish underscore tech news. On Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Irish Tech News. On LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash Irish dash tech dash news. On Instagram, instagram.com forward slash Irish Tech News dot IE. And on TikTok, tiktok.com forward slash at Irish Tech News.